Dr. Amalia Gonyas-Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us in studio today in Johannesburg is Professor Kinta Berger, who is the Registrar of the University of Johannesburg. She has held this position since 2014. Prior to this appointment, she was the Executive Dean of the Faculty of Sciences at the University of Johannesburg for nearly a decade. She is passionate about the fields of science, engineering and technology and their underlying language of mathematics. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Doctor. It's my pleasure to be here. To begin with, you've been the registrar at the University of Johannesburg for going on the past five years. Can you share with us a little bit more about the work that you do, as well as the responsibilities that come with holding this position? Um, registrar at the university is, is that person that sometimes you don't get to know at all unless you have some sort of trouble with your you know, studies. Because a registrar is um, responsible for the academic administrative life cycle of students. So it, it is from student recruitment as new students. It, it has to do with application processes, then the registration. Then it is about um, making sure that students can have a curriculum. So it's about programs. It's about assessment. In the end, it's about graduation, certification, and then it comes to the alumni stage. So many students will not get to know the registrar unless they are, for example, academically excluded and need to appeal to the registrar. Uh, and then I will step in and, and you know, uh, be like the almost the arbiter of the student and see what we can do. So um, that is, that's basically the traditional role. In addition to that, the registrar is also the compliance officer of the university. So um, my responsibilities include policies. It's, uh, it's about uh, academic regulations. It's about compliance in general, about reporting. Um, so that's what I do. And then, uh, in addition to that, you mentioned uh, gender-based violence at the beginning. I have also um, occupational health practice that reports to me, our primary health uh, clinic, and then also our office for um, HIV and AIDS, our institutional office for HIV and AIDS. So in that respect, I'm also very much concerned about gender-based violence. Um, and, you know, uh, p uh, just... Uh, I think health issues in general, health and wellness of health students in general. Well, listening to what you've said, it's almost as though the registrar's function provides the invisible infrastructure that people don't see. But if it wasn't there, they wouldn't be able to pursue their studies. They wouldn't have a program. They wouldn't have all of the supporting structures in place that sees them go from registration to graduation. Absolutely, absolutely. And you mentioned in my previous role as a dean, you know, I was very much more involved in in the day-to-day -day, um, academic part of it, you know, um, being involved with, say, the offering of that academic programs. Now I'm responsible to make sure that the systems and processes are in place. So it's it's quite a new new sort of um, uh, environment, but it's 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 
for me, it was a very good um, preparation being a dean to then be- become a registrar because I understand that full life cycle of a student and, of course, also for, for academic staff what it involves, you know, the teaching and the research part of it. Of course, because you do a mix across stakeholders of both students as well as staff. Absolutely. What would you say are perhaps your greatest challenges in the role? My current uh, challenges, I would say, is um, making sure that uh, our systems and processes remain efficient and effective. Um, you know, it's always about being being student-friendly. Um, it is about the use of new technology. Um, it is about uh, being really the forerunner when it comes to to these enhancements of, of our systems. Um, so for me, that is a challenge, but it's also the part that I enjoy most. Um, it is to make sure that we stay abreast of all the new technology and new development. I think the other thing that, that is becoming a problem for all universities is that how to fund our ambitions because we have a lot of high goals for for amending you know and and uh, enhancing what we have currently and i see that's also part of your interest the technology and the use of technology but it comes with a price and and of course that is where we need to make sure that we can streamline but to still make it uh, you know efficient and cost effective can you tell us a little bit about what some of those ambitions are at the university? Well, uh, we, we are going more and more online in terms of our program offerings, blended learning, for example. So it is to make sure that we can go online, but we still provide the support that is required. Um, the University of Johannesburg in particular is, is very much focused on providing um, what we say um, uh, access to global excellence. So we, we are for access, um, but we also want to make sure that we can provide the very best there is. So it is then to balance, you know, for example, the blended learning, but to provide still that face-to-face contact. We don't want to become a distance education institution, but at the same time we want to bring in technology. And, and there's many ways of, of doing that, and which we are currently using, you know, for example, video material to enhance our teaching. So those are the things that uh, for us is, is part of our ambitions. But that's such a challenge, I think, that the world over is is having to experience, that we've got faster access to information we've got access to more information and curricula are not having a chance to to readjust to to catch up with things so how do you think we can develop capabilities for the future to to overcome this gap yeah no it's it's a a crucial crucial question because you need to 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 all the time reflect on what you offer for your students. Um, I mean, it is about a formal curriculum, so it needs to be relevant, it needs to be dynamic, it needs to to offer them whatever they need to become global citizens. But uh, as, as part of, of that is also what do you teach outside the classroom? You know, the extracurricular activities that you offer, the uh, opportunities for international exposure, um, you know, through art and culture, um, through sport, all those activities is, is uh, they, they are just as important as the formal classroom activities. So for us, it is very important to reflect the whole time on what we offer to make sure that in the end, it's not only about 
acquiring a certificate or a qualification. It is about what knowledge did they gain and how transferable will that knowledge be? Because they may have studied in one discipline and end up working in something else. And for that, they need that skills to transfer, you know. And, and nowadays we speak more and more about not only normal intelligence, it's about emotional intelligence. It's about ethical intelligence. And those are the things that become more and more important to, to make sure that they are global citizens, but really good citizens as well. So that's where the curriculum comes in. And um, going forward, it's becoming more and more interdisciplinary. So it's flexible. It's it, interdisciplinary. It's a, it's a longer menu that you can choose mm. from, not a fixed menu. And then it's also about different entry and exit levels. So it is for, for students that want to, um, you know, take a break, come back, how they come back. So you need to provide that articulation routes as well. So that is, the, that is how the new student will be in the future. It will not be a student that come in, suggest in this one formal program, fixed from the start. It's a much more flexible building of a curriculum. That is representative of what happens in life. So university is moving with the times to be indicative of the way that the world Absolutely. works, where things are not as prescriptive as yes, they may yeah. have been. Yeah, and just, uh, you know, when, when we were at, at university, um, it was about getting the, the information from your books and textbooks. Now, the information, as you pointed out, is out there. It is now to make sense of that and to make use of that. So it's not about providing the information. It is how to apply it and to, like I said, to transfer it to other fields as well. Yeah, and we've got such high mobility yeah. in terms of, of jobs, new opportunities, that those transferable skills are completely vital. One question that I wanted to ask you, uh, ask you about the University of Johannesburg, you already said, which I think is a wonderful phrase, access to global excellence. But the institution has positioned itself as the future reimagined. What role do you think and envision the institution will play to help realize South Africa's intention to produce more educated and not just knowledge educated but rounded citizens yes, yeah, absolutely um, well we are in a fortunate situation that we we um, we are actually the result of a merger between a traditional university and a technicon you know when the university uh, was formed in 2005 it was from from a technicon and the university so the result is that we offer a very wide spectrum of qualifications we offer from higher certificates up to um, uh, phds so already in that um, aspect we can offer many entry exit levels you know and articulation possibilities um, but then also in terms just of the diversity of our staff and of our students i think we are truly a south african university and the university that is really with strong roots in africa so we we strive for global excellence and we provide that uh, opportunities for our students for for internationalization across you know right from undergraduate to, to postgraduate levels um, and and we also have a diverse uh, staff profile so we provide them with that opportunities also so for us it is always to study within the context of this diverse community 
so that uh, we we uh, we can give them that knowledge that they need, um, but also uh, wider than just the, the classroom experience. But uh, at the same time, I must say, with this uh, uh, fourth industrial revolution that's now everyone talking about, uh, I think the university is, is very much um, running with that and uh, is providing actually le also leadership in terms of, of universities. Our vice chancellor is an AI expert. Um, that is his field. So for, for he's him, he's very passionate about AI. <laughs> so he's, he's for us the champion that we need to drive that. And that is uh, he's actually inspiring all of us just to think for IR the whole time, you know. And for us, it's not about just the technology. It is about this, um, you know, the, the integration of the social sciences and, and the natural sciences, the engineering, the technology. So for us, we feel that is our niche area for that future reimagined. That's where we, we will play our role. Great. I think it's a wonderful stake in the ground and, and something to aspire towards and anchor students' ambitions as well as the institution. Absolutely. Turning towards you a little bit, you've spent much of your career in teaching from high school mathematics to tertiary mathematics. You earned your PhD in maths and received several prizes as well as awards for academic, academic achievement. When you were the chairperson of the Department of Maths and Statistics at the University of Joburg, you also initiated a wide range of outreach and academic support programs, particularly in mathematics. Firstly, what inspired you to study maths? Well, I think that's the importance of, of a teacher, a good teacher, because I had a very, very wonderful, uh, you know, enthusiastic teacher in, in my early years. Um, I, I was good in numbers. I loved playing with numbers, you know. But uh, when uh, when I had him as a teacher, he made it so enjoyable. And he, he also made sure that we we experience success because I think in mathematics it's mathematics I always say it's a very simple subject in the sense that it's little steps every time little building blocks but but the problem is if you if you miss some of those steps and then you're be becoming fearful of that um, subject then it is important to to again just achieve small successes so that you can build confidence. And for me, um, you know, that is what, what made the difference in my life. When I had that teacher, uh, I really started enjoying it. And uh, so for me, it was a natural choice. And, and then I saw what he did. I saw so many times with students that I had, uh, which, you know, when they uh, arrived at the university, they had to take mathematics as, as one of the subjects, say for engineering and so on, but they didn't like it um, because they 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 were afraid of the subject, mm -hmm. you know, afraid of the uh, non-success that they will every time see. And uh, then uh, it is for them to just do a few calculations, show how easy it is and build confidence and thereafter they will be successful. So for me, that was always the thing, just just make sure that they start enjoying it, see that they can and, and you know, then everyone actually can do it. The right teacher is so important. I will always remember I was given my range of, of subjects and biology teacher 
stood up and said, biology is the science of life. And I was like, wow, the science of life. Chemistry, teacher stood up, chemistry is the science of biology. And I was blown away again at this, this other development. Physics teacher stood up, physics is the science of the universe. As a result, I ended up taking all three. But it is about the passion mm. that the teachers inspire and, and how they contextualize where subjects fit into the absolutely, world. Absolutely, absolutely. And with mathematics, you know, it, it is sort of a gatekeeper. Um, it's, it's the gateway to many of the um, subjects in, in the science, engineering, technology field. Um, and it's, it's becoming a, a, a gatekeeper in the sense that students will fail it and fail it and fail it. So therefore it was so necessary when I was um, in the math department to, to um, um, make sure that we have these access, the bridging courses, the outreach, and then to, to also actually uh, we went beyond the boundaries of the university because our boundaries are the students basically, but we said no, let's, let's go and prepare our potential so students. So going into the younger market? Oh, yes, uh, go and, 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 and um, you know, address these issues while this, this, the potential students are still young. So we had a couple of uh, outreach programs in the rural areas, but in the end we also established a science centre at our Soweto campus, uh, where we then had, um, in the end now, um, it's not only mathematics, they have physics and chemistry, um, uh, life sciences, which is the, the biochem, uh, IT skills and even English because um, the problem is with many schools apart from the maths uh, they don't have laboratories so they never see science in action they see it in the textbooks and so to, to provide then with that opportunity to come to laboratories you know on campus we even have a mobile laboratory that we can take to schools um, in the in the rural areas and, and so for me that was um, an important way of addressing because if they if we wait until uh, they come to university in many instances they've already made the choice not to take mathematics but rather math literacy whereas they should actually take mathematics <laughs> <laughs> you've certainly got a passion for teaching and it's not just about what happens at the tertiary but it's about drawing in youngsters into the subject and I've seen that, that you really believe that a disadvantaged teaching background shouldn't be something as as a block which will prevent someone and exclude them from the world of science, engineering and technology. And as you've said, mathematics is the, the, the gatekeeping mm -hmm. subject to a, a world of, of new opportunities, particularly in the AI space, 4IR and all of those those fields. These subjects have also been cited as not just pivotal jobs for the future, but also jobs and environments where, where women should be making inroads, mm -hmm. because if they're not there, they're not going to be able to take advantage of these options. But yet, reports continuously indicate that women are underrepresented in the discipline, which is obviously going to change, uh, obviously going to create a big gap for them in, in the new world. Do you think the environment in South Africa is supportive enough to encourage female scientists? I think it's changing. Um, we're definitely not where we should be. Um, but I've, I've seen changes, um, you know, in the time since I've been 
um, in academia um, and, and in my time as a dean and even now where I sit, I can see that there's lots of efforts to, to address it. Um, for example, the Department of Science and Technology will have special awards for females. There's special bursaries um, and there's overall encouragement in higher education for, for uh, a better participation at all levels, not only at undergraduate, but at postgraduate level. And we see it in the numbers, you know. Um, we've moved, for example, close to 44% of our st students in the Faculty of Science are now female students, and they perform very well. I'm, when it comes to prices in the university, you know, the females are or uh, the in front, I must say. So um, I think uh, once they get to university, there's lots of support. For me, it is more about how do we get them to that university? How do we to make sure that they consider um, studies in the sciences and engineering as, as possible studies? And I think there, universities need to work much more with the schools to, to have this career guidance, study guidance. Um, I mean, it was poor in my time. Uh, you know, we had a period where we had to receive these guidance and it never happened, but... And it was always very traditional. Yes, yeah, so you you will know about accounting, you will know about medical studies and so on, but you don't know about biochemistry. Uh, you mentioned biochemistry earlier. Uh, you You may know about the subjects that are taught at school, but you don't know about geology. You may know about geography. But so I think it's those exciting options, food technology, biotechnology, particularly now with 4IR, you know, the, 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 the life sciences combined with technology. So I think that's where we need to do much more, to, to tell them about these exciting options. And uh, uh, of course, one can go to the internet, you can get all that info there, but for, for, for me, the worry is those that are in rural areas that don't have that access, and that's where we, 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 we reach out. And as a university, we go to those schools uh, and we provide them with information. Um, and then, uh, you know, to, to let them also come and experience, to see. Now, the problem is, of course, they, sometimes they're very far from a university, but now with... Um, uh, virtual reality things we can we can also show them that so that they can actually get the experience of what the uh, subject is about but I think uh, there's there's some improvement in this and um, like I said we see it in our numbers we see it also in our staff numbers just those that come through end up with a PhD in this field they of course start acting as role models um, so it's it's a slow process but but there's definitely this movement good well i think 44 percent is a good good figure to be at six percent shy of 50 yes, it shows we, we good progress think, yeah and that is in the science faculty in engineering faculty it's still in 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 the 30s but there again there's special programs for engineering students you know uh, and to to make sure that uh, we just reach out to them as well and there again the university with its range of programs some of them may start off with a certain program and articulate later on into another one so yes we we're making progress but we need to do more <laughs> Well, I think this is always a case where we've got the gaps. We know where those opportunity spaces are and to develop solutions to help close them off. 
Today, we're talking to Professor Kinterberger, who is the Registrar at the University of Johannesburg. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Hi, this is Lira, South African Afro-Soul singer and songwriter. You're listening to Womanity, Women in Unity, presented by Dr. Amelia Malka on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, a program that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights and democracy. Today we're talking to Professor Kinterberger, who is the Registrar at the University of Johannesburg. In the previous segment of the conversation, we spoke about the work that she does as Registrar and the various responsibilities that the position entails. We also spoke about the importance of mathematics as being a key subject, as a, as a gateway subject towards science, engineering and technology streams, and the significance of these subjects in terms of roles for the future. Prof. Berger, earlier in the conversation, we spoke about the, the percentage changes in terms of, of women within the Faculty of, of Science and Engineering. What are your perspectives about women's empowerment and gender equality legislation, especially in terms of being able to, to close some of the gaps that women still experience, whether it is about promotion, pay, or positions? Mm. Well, um, I can only speak um, of my experience in higher education, and and I must say, I think there, there's there's um, the right policies in place, there's the right programs in place to provide that uh, equality, and uh, you know, just looking at our compositions and the rules that we apply to make sure that there is very equal representation from our council right through to our you know other committees smaller committees um when it comes to promotions etc we uh, we don't have a special promotion criteria for female staff but we have programs where we support them because we realize that in many instances just to complete your phd um is is it's not easy and uh, I think it's more difficult for, for, for our female staff, in p- particular when they have small children. So we have programs where we um, have research methodology, where we have writing schools, writing in the sense of sis- research writing. And, uh, you know, to give them um, uh, lecture relief, for example, so that they can have more focused time on, on their PhD. And, and from my understanding is, uh, you know, other universities are doing also similar um, interventions. So I think in higher education, we are doing the right things. Um, coming back to what I said earlier, because if we have them also as role models, then it, it just the impact of all our efforts is so much stronger. So that, that we are doing, must say also at the national level, if I... If I look at what's what's happening, say from the Department of Science and Technology, there is a focus on on female academics, and some progress has been made, uh, more so at the more junior levels. I must say, I think right through the sector, at at professor and uh, associate professor level, that's where the gap still is, and that is because, you know, it takes a few years to 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 get to that level, and sometimes our female colleagues will almost get take a break from their research 
well to have their children and to get back into that. That's again where UJ's programs are helpful to to give them the time and to say, okay, you're back now. So now your teaching load will maybe be, be slightly lesser just for you to, to find your feet again. So for me, I, I think we, we are see, seeing the right things. Um, uh, just coming back to the national level, I think there's policy in place. I know that from 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 our uh, government as well they are striving to to get more females in in politics also at in the senior positions so for me it's we we are getting there uh, but we 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 are not there yet for me the worry is more in terms of what happens maybe um you know in in the the non-city environments in the rural environments i'm not so sure the benefit always get to to those females um and in the in the sort of the more the city environment i think that is happening you know and and also females becoming more assertive so when they get the confidence, they will also stand up for themselves um, in terms of salaries and so on. How it happens, maybe outside the higher education, maybe more in the non-city environments. I'm, I'm not so sure that we we are there where we should be. But at least it sounds like there's been great inroads in terms of the work that you're doing and have been exposed to with within the area you can control or, or contribute yes, yeah. to. And hopefully there's there's spillover Absolutely. Into, yeah. into other spaces. One question I'd like to ask you is about your personal journey. Some of our guests who've reached tremendous achievements in their respective disciplines have said that some of the factors that they consider to have contributed to their success, be it perseverance, hard work, fear of failure, there's a variety of things. In your opinion, what would you say have been some of the key drivers to your success? I think it's it is about being hungry for for success. Um, you know, and, and then all those things that you mentioned, you know, resilience when it goes tough to to still have that strife in you, um, perseverance, you know. But for me also I think the support from others um very very critical um because it it gets lonely you will know when you when you study for your phd sometimes you feel that you alone understand you know what you're going through but then if there's support that that helps tremendously so for me it's also about female supporting each other um that can help a lot um and and of course family and friends but for me uh, one of the key drivers is uh, how can I put it? You call it uh, the fear of failure. Um, you will doubt yourself. Um, you will go through these low points. Um, and then it is basically for you to put up your hand. When you are when you are too scared to put up your hand, that is the time to do it. Um, you know, because otherwise you will you will just blame yourself that. Why was this person appointed and, and I can do the work so much better afterwards? That, And if that happens, it means because you didn't put up your hand. So you must put up your hand even in... Put up your hand to take advantage of opportunity or put up your hand about self-awareness that you need that extra bit. I think put up your hand in terms of challenging yourself as well, you know. Yes, sometimes it is about opportunities, but sometimes it is just I'm going to do this even if I'm 
to skate now, uh, um, say now with an interview, you know, when you, you need to have a public speech or something like that. Uh, that's sometimes it's, it's very challenging for people. But if you just challenge yourself and say, I'm going to put up my hand for this thing. Step out of your comfort zone. Yes. And, and uh, you know, because you will learn from that and you're going to make mistakes. Um, so uh, for me, that that is one of the key drivers. Um, and then something also, maybe when you work with people and to be successful working with people, um, because if you like that emotional intelligence I spoke about, if you're not, you can be very, very, um, uh, you can be a very strong person, academically strong, but in the end you need to work with people. And there for me, very important is to know when you don't know and to, to let other people know that you know that you don't know, to acknowledge that. Uh, you know, it's not failure on your part, but it's it's almost like an outreach to, to, to build that relationship and to, to get advice from people, not only because of the advice, but also because then people can also see that sometimes you need support and assistance and so on. So uh, collaboration, collaboration in the broad sense, one one of the key, key drivers, you know. Um, don't, don't try and do it all on your own. For me, that's very important. Those are all wonderful points. And I always find it fascinating because everyone comes with a different set of of ingredients and recipes that work for them. Uh, So it's always refreshing to hear what some of those dynamics are with with different people. Who would you say have been the strong woman in your life? Oh, I have so many still. Um, Well... There's, there's, there's so many, uh, actually, women that inspire me still, you know. Of course, it's family members. It's a mix. Uh, I've got a mother who has who's always been very positive, uh, even if it goes very, 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 uh, when she goes through very challenging times, she will still find something positive, you know. And for me, that's a very strong character. Um, but then there's uh, just... A Nowadays, I I see female uh, students that uh, overcome challenges, you know, and and then are successful. And successful can just mean I'm passing this one against all odds. So for me, uh, there's many strong women. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I there's been lecturers that I had. Um, there's always examples in in. Uh, you know, in sport of, of females that are standing out. But I, I would not point out one. I, I think it's a bit of a mix. I don't have, like, um, you know, one role model that I can say is, is the is absolutely for me the inspiration. It's, it's a mix of uh, those that I encounter. And it's colleagues sometimes, you know. Sometimes I would just stand amazed how a difficult, complex situation can be handled by one in such an elegant manner, you know, that I think, wow, I wish I could do that. And for me, that is something that I try to learn then from my colleagues and from my my sister and from so many others, you know, my life. Picking out different points of value that speak to you in the right moment in time. Now, lastly, as we close out the conversation today, could you share a few words of wisdom or inspiration that you'd like to pass on to young ladies that are listening to us on the continent? 
Well, I think, um, you know, people will always ask the question also, if you have this opportunity again to live your life, what what will be different and, and so on. And uh, there's many things that I've done wrong, which I can think of, which I would have done better. But I think the overall choices that I've made, um, you know, is, is the ones that I will probably make again. And you will be you will make choices when you are still very young and you may not be certain what what to do but if you make those choices with the widest options available then it it's still a good choice you may not end up doing that so for me when i had to choose subjects i chose mathematics because it was for me one that could open doors um, and and i will probably choose the same subject again but in the end, it is about making choices. Um, then have a plan going forward. Um, you know, the plan may not be perfect. It may change tomorrow. But if you don't have some sort of direction, um, considering your options, working on that to make it work and have that plan, then you're all, all over it. So. You may find that you're now going in this direction tomorrow in that direction, but at least you're going into a direction. So for me, that is a very important one. Get get to know yourself um, a little bit, to know what at that stage, what you want to do, and then work with with a plan to get to that, you know, and, and then make use of all your support around you um, to get there. I think that is such a practical piece of advice of setting your path, your trajectory, not being limited by the choices you make today for the future and utilizing the support structures that you have at your disposal. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you to you. All the best with your programs. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. And we have been talking to Professor Kinterberger, who is the registrar at the University of Johannesburg.